Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Hey guys, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. I'm Brittany Hughes, filling in for the irreplaceable Miss Andrea K. Um, I am also five foot two. I'm not no 105 pounds, though. I can tell you that. That's something that is all her. For those of you who don't know me, I've been on Andrea's show a few times. I'm the managing editor for MRC TV over at the Media Research Center. And happy Monday! Or at least I hope it's a happy Monday out there in San Diego. Y'all have it a lot better than we do. I'm on the East Coast right now uh, enjoying some snow, which is really, it's only enjoyable when it falls. I'm really only a fan of snow when it falls. I miss San Diego weather. My husband is uh, in the Navy and we spent about a year and a half out there in San Diego and we just recently moved back and you'd think I'd be used to it being an East Coast native and all, but uh I'm having to get reused to the weather out here. I'm not used to things below about 55 degrees. So I hope things are better out there and that y'all are enjoying the sunshine. Maybe the little bit of rain that y'all get when the weather is really cruddy. But um, yeah, it's great to be here with you guys. Unfortunately, of course, the news cycle is not so great. Fits really well with a Monday. We are 24 days into this partial government shutdown. It does seem to be all that anybody can talk about, but... You know, for good reason. It's really dominated the news cycle, and it's it's starting to affect an awful lot of people. Um, there was a recent Washington Post-ABC News poll that I saw where about 82% of people said that they had not been affected by the shutdown. So unless you are a furloughed contractor or uh, you are one of the many federal employees who are at home right now, who are not working or are working without a paycheck. Maybe you're working without a paycheck. Um, you know, a lot of people haven't been affected, but I think it's something that we're going to start feeling the effects of more and more. Um, and, and people are starting to get concerned about that. At the same time, there's been a lot of talk over, you know, who's to blame for this, what the solution is. And I think one of the things that I really wanted to touch on right off the bat, something that's really been bothering me over the last few days, listening to all this talk about a border wall and border security and and going back and forth over different different um, opinions as to what could solve this problem. And I know there's a lot of opinions out there, um, but as somebody who has visited multiple sections of the border, including right there in San Diego, I've talked to to dozens of border patrol agents have gone on multiple tours with them have seen the amazing work that these men and women do every single day they put their lives on the line to keep this nation safe they are on the front lines of a problem that i think most people in america just go about their daily lives not recognizing what goes on at our border a lot of people in san diego do get that better than most because you're right there on the Mexico border, um, you know, and, and I've spoken with border agents there who have said, look, we didn't have a wall for the longest time. And when they finally built one and then reinforced parts of it back in the 1990s, it curbed an awful lot of illegal migration, but also cartel violence and drug smuggling that was rampant in that area. Does it get rid of all of it? No, of course not. That's almost impossible to do. But it really, really tamped down on a lot of the problems that they were facing they're in that stretch. And you hear border border patrol agents in places like uh, along certain parts of Texas and Arizona who say that they want the same thing. So one thing that I really wanted to touch on here right in the offset, because I, I think it's an important distinction to make that a lot of people are not clear on simply because they don't they don't know they haven't been to the border and they don't really have cause to think about it in their day to day lives. When you hear arguments Regarding the border wall versus what what has become this buzzword border security, it's kind of this catch all term for what does that even mean? Border security. Right. This is something that I think is is a semantic difference when you hear Trump, uh, when you hear President Trump and you hear strong 
immigration enforcement supporters on the right talk about a border wall versus when you hear this pushback from Democrats saying, well, we want border security. There's a difference there. And it's one that I think really needs to be driven home. There is a difference between a physical border wall and border security. When you go to actual sections of the border and you talk to the border agents who work there, one thing that they will tell you is, look, we have we have things that enforce border security, right? We, we have technology, we have drones, we have cameras, we have electronic sensors, we have border agents, we have, um, you know, drug sniffing dogs. We have a lot of different elements of what you would qualify under this big umbrella of border security, right? The trouble is that's not the same as a physical barrier. That's not the same as a wall. What a wall does is it actually helps stop and deter the problem before it becomes our problem. So when you hear Democrats say things like, well, we, you know, we, we love border security. We, we want to put more money towards hiring more agents or, uh, you know, technology and cameras and infrared sensors and all of this stuff. Well, that's great. But the trouble is, by the time an illegal immigrant, whether it's a, a human trafficker or a drug smuggler or a mom and her three kids who trekked up from Guatemala, wh- whatever it is, by the time they get to those things, by the time a camera catches them, or they trip a sensor, or a border agent apprehends them, they have already stepped foot on U.S. soil. So unless they're from Mexico, and we, we do treat the Mexicans a little bit differently because we do share a border with them, and we can repatriate them to their home country. Federal policy does not allow us to do that with those who come from other countries. We can't take a Honduran and just flip them around into Mexico and say, no, you can't come here, go back. We have to send them back to their home country. We have to remand them to the jurisdiction of their home country. So by the time they get to those points of, quote unquote, border security, things that things that that help, I guess, deal with the immigration problem once it's here, they've already become our problem. Right. And it costs exponential amounts of taxpayer dollars to process them, to take them to one of these facilities, to house them, to. Uh, give them medical care, food, water, Um, you know, God forbid one of them be seriously ill and they have to be airlifted to a hospital. We've seen that happen in multiple occasions. Sometimes it ends very sadly. A lot of times it doesn't. But these things cost exponential amounts of money, not to mention we then have to adjudicate their case. We release them into the United States on many occasions um, and, and, and end up dealing with their case in immigration courts years later. This costs extreme amounts of money. As opposed to when you hear talk of a physical border wall, this is something that is that is ostensibly, in theory, there to keep the problem from getting to the United States in the first place and also to be used as a deterrent that, look, you know, if you get here, you're going to encounter a physical barrier that you cannot get past. Okay, so it's not just, all right, well, you can walk in and then, you know, just go up to a border agent, tell them that you're here. You you know, it's a way to funnel immigration and people who may want to claim asylum and things of that nature through actual ports of entry. That is so much different from border security which Democrats like to throw out there as this kind of buzzword to make it sound like they want to secure the border when they know good and well that it does nothing to deter illegal immigration. It does nothing to solve the problem before it actually gets here. And we're going to continue dealing with this as we go further and further with having an open, porous border system that anybody can walk across. Um, We need a physical barrier. Even if you don't, and I, I tend to not necessarily be a border wall, what I call a border wall purist, right? Somebody that believes that we can put a physical wall on every single inch of soil down there at the border. There's a lot of places where geographically that's going to be difficult, if not impossible. You've got private land ownership that it's going to have to be worked out. But there are places where it absolutely has to be enforced with a physical barrier. Cameras aren't going to do the same thing. You know, electronic sensors aren't going to do the same thing. This we have a semantic difference that we need to talk about so that people can understand when Democrats push back and say, well, we're all for border security. It's not the same thing. No, you're not. Be honest about the fact that, look, you want you want migrants to be able to come here illegally. 
And let's let's face it, we all know why that is. It's because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a that's a prime future voting base for them, and they know that. Um, so I think that's an important semantic difference. We're going to get into uh, the shutdown and all of that in just a couple of minutes. Got a really good guest coming up in a few minutes to talk about the media's role in all of this. We will see you back in just a few. Hang with us. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Hello again. This is Adam Hamill, owner of Alive Solar and Roofing. Perhaps you've heard solar is too expensive. Solar could damage your roof. Or it's better to go with one of those big solar companies. At Alive Solar, we've worked very hard for the past nine years building our reputation as a premier quality solar company, using only the best equipment and materials available, installed by our own in-house lifelong construction professionals. Our systems usually pay for themselves in six years or less, often saving our customers hundreds of thousands of dollars. As a full-service roofing company, we'll leave your roof in stronger and better condition than we found it. As far as big companies go, out of the top ten companies just five years ago, only three of them are still in business selling solar. So call a company that shares your values and beliefs. Call Alive Solar and Roofing, 877-4-ALIVE-1. That's 877-4-ALIVE-1. Or visit AliveSolar.com. At Alive Solar and Roofing, we don't believe in magic, but we'd love to make your electric bill disappear. Call 877-4-ALIVE-1. That's 877-425-4831 or AliveSolar.com today. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. AK, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I'm Brittany Hughes filling in for Andrea today. Happy Monday to you all. We're talking government shutdown and immigration today. I'm sure everybody is just so enthused, considering that's been pretty much everything that's been in the news cycle recently. But, it, but for good reason, um, you know, this is something that it's 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 getting to be a little bit more serious. And um, look, um, this is something that is it's kind of a little bit of a catch 22 for me, as I'm sure that it is for a lot of people out there, maybe even you. I'm not a fan of government shutdowns. I know a lot of people on the right love I don't know if they really love government shutdowns. They they seem to. If you go on Twitter, a lot of people are very excited about government shutdowns because I think there's this perception out there that, you know, the government is, you know, sort of the man. And we as as conservatives, we tend to like less government and we have too much of it. And that is very true. So when you have a government shutdown, I think a lot of times people just think of a bunch of bureaucrats out there in Washington and, you know, the government has been shut down. Well, what's that mean for my daily life? Uh, as I said in an earlier segment, there was a Washington uh, Washington Post ABC News poll that said 82 percent of respondents said that they hadn't really been affected by the shutdown. Um, and I think that makes sense. At the same time, as a military wife, I understand personally what a shutdown can mean for federal employees. It's something that I know uh, impacts a lot of people out there in San Diego occasionally. Um, depending on who is affected by these partial government shutdowns. So look, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of shutdowns. I think a, a lot of people end up um, as collateral damage, people who depend on these paychecks uh, to feed their families. Um, and I, I feel for them. I do. I really, really feel for them. Uh, I have a lot of friends out there who are TS or who are air traffic controllers. I know some TSA agents. I know a lot of Border Patrol agents, um, you know, people who who aren't getting paid right now or are about to miss paychecks. And things can get things can get really rough if you're in that position. At the same time, 
I also recognize that there are there are there are issues where planting your flag and saying I'm not going to budge on this. We need to get this done. It has been kicked down the road way too long and we have to fix this. And if it takes throwing down a gauntlet to get something done, to finally push Congress into doing their jobs, which they don't seem to have been able to do for as long as I can remember, it, it there has to be something to motivate getting something done. At the same time, I'm seeing a serious double standard between Democrats and Republicans, both in who's getting the blame for this shutdown and also how they are dealing with this shutdown, right? You know, it, let's be honest here. The shutdown happened because Senate Democrats refused to give Trump the votes that he needed for $5 billion for this border wall. We're not even talking about the full, I, a conservative estimate that I've heard is what, $25 billion for the total wall. I think it's going to end up costing a lot more than that, to be honest with you. I also think we're going to save a lot more than that if we can get illegal immigration under control. But we're talking about $5 billion to build sections of border wall in places where we desperately need them, where Border Patrol agents have said that we desperately need them. Senate Democrats were unwilling to do that. This was back when the House was still controlled by Republicans before it was turned over uh, this month. So, I mean, that's ultimately, that's what caused this shutdown, right? I, I think that Trump really shot himself in the foot back when he had that meeting with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi in the Oval Office where he said, look, I'll own it, okay? I'll shut down the government. I think that was bad. I, I don't think he should have said that. I think that that comes from somebody who, again, he's not a politician. That's kind of the way he tends to talk. A lot of people love him for that. But I, I think that was a mistake because he doesn't own this shutdown, okay? Republicans didn't own this shutdown. Um, this was something that the American people voted for when they voted for Trump. And this is something that he campaigned on that he's been talking about for a long time. I think that, frankly, this is something that should have been done earlier. If you were going to shut the government down, this could have been done over the last two years. But look, it's done now. And Democrats are still to this day refusing to play ball. Instead, you have several dozen of them. If you haven't heard the news lately, you have several dozen Democrats who are vacationing in Puerto Rico right now, absolutely kicking it up, having a grand old time, all while our border agents, TSA agents, air traffic controllers, all these guys aren't getting paid. You've got furloughed uh, furloughed contractors who aren't getting paid, who aren't even going to get back pay. They're not even going to get back pay. So they've, they've missed a whole heck of a lot of, of, of income right now. Um, Coast Guard, I believe, was set to miss their first paycheck today. And instead of all of that, in the midst of all of this, we all get treated to a photo of a shirtless Senator Bob Menendez sitting on a beach because he and about 30 of his other fellow Democrats have been flown there on a charter jet by, it's called Bold Pack, okay? It's the Political Action Committee of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, They were flown to Puerto Rico on a chartered jet to hobnob with over 100 lobbyists. Get this. They're staying at a seaside resort where the rooms go for about $430 a night. They're treated to a performance of Hamilton. They get to go to exclusive parties with the cast. I guess we're supposed to feel better about it because apparently they have to pay for their own tickets to Hamilton. That's supposed to make us feel better about this whole thing. They're kicking it up on a beach right now. Can you imagine for one moment, imagine if Republicans were doing this? Can you imagine if 30 or so Republicans were sitting on a beach together at a resort rubbing shoulders with lobbyists while all of these federal workers that the media loves to, you know, to just loves to tell the sob stories of these victimized federal workers. And look, I get it. It's not a good thing. If it's affecting your family, it's bad. And I understand that. But we're, you know, if we're going to paint the picture that all of these people are just, you know, they're, they're losing, you know, their homes and their livelihoods over this. If Republicans were sitting fat and happy on a beach sipping on Mai Tais 
while all of this was going on, the media would be having a field day. And instead, the only people that I hear talking about the Democrats down there on their happy vacation are conservative media outlets pointing it out. And it headlined Drudge yesterday, which a lot of people do look at. So I I think that the word is kind of getting out there, but you don't hear any left wing pundits ranting about how the optics of this are are terrible and, you know, they shouldn't be. I mean, think about how out of touch do you have to be? that you are responsible for a government shutdown that is affecting God only knows how many people in their families. And you're down there sitting on a beach in Puerto Rico. You know, the media always likes to talk about how out of touch Republicans are with the common American. I don't think that's true, but they love to paint that picture. You would think they would be all over this if they cared, which they don't. We all know that they don't. Um, You know, another thing I find really disingenuous about this whole shutdown situation is, is the money. The idea that this $5 billion for part, again, part of a border wall in in strategic places where we desperately do need some, and we've needed some for a long time. There's this idea from the left that Democrats love to spout. Nancy Pelosi has said it a million times. Chuck Schumer has said it a million times. This idea that, well, it's a waste of taxpayer dollars, right? $5 billion for for a a racist wall, which is interesting because I haven't heard anybody talk about any specific race that we're trying to keep out of the country, merely illegal aliens. I don't care where you're from. If you're brown, white, pink with purple polka dots, if you come here illegally, that's not okay. And that's what we need to stop. But this idea that $5 billion is somehow going to break the bank out of our $3 trillion plus national budget. I want to read, read to you some recent things that the government has spent your money on. Tell me if this doesn't sound like a waste of taxpayer dollars to you. In the past year or two, we have spent $65 million for Pacific Coastal Salmon Recovery. So we're very concerned about the salmon. We're not so much concerned about human trafficking and people dying at the border, but we are concerned about the Pacific Coastal Salmon, $65 million worth, as a matter of fact. $11 million for the Aquatic Plant Control Program. We've spent about $216 million for the National Pre-Disaster Mitigation Fund. So that's dealing with disasters before they happen. $101 million for something called the National Domestic Preparedness Consortium, which is supposed to increase the preparedness of first responders to the threats of terrorism. So again, we're, we're all these preparedness things. We've got $13 million for the Save America's Treasures Grants Program whatever that means. We've got $2.75 million for the National Capital Arts and Cultural Affairs Grant Program, $17 million for the Asia Foundation, which is, quote, committed to improving lives across a dynamic and developing Asia, and $66.5 million for the National Endowment for Democracy which is supposed to strengthen democracies all across the world. So, look, regardless of whether you agree or disagree, I I disagree with the vast majority of this stuff, to be honest with you. I don't know what an aquatic plant control program is or what it does or why my money is being spent on it. But look, we spend gobs of money, gobs of money on ridiculous, ridiculous things. Did you know that since 2000, the year 2000, we have spent $52 million on chimp housing Housing for chimpanzees. That's how much money the the taxpayer has spent, courtesy of Congress, who doles out grant money like it's monopoly money. But somehow we can't find five billion dollars in our entire budget to secure a porous border that has been giving us problems and promoting illegal immigration for decades, for longer than I've even been alive. This is an issue that we have been dealing with since before I was born. Ronald Reagan was dealing with 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 this issue and it was going on far before him and we can't five five find five billion dollars to put towards a wall i would be a lot more sympathetic to the argument that we need to be careful about how we spend taxpayer dollars i am sympathetic to that argument i'm a conservative give me the u.s budget and i guarantee you i can find savings i could balance that thing in five minutes give me the budget and a red pen We spend ridiculous amounts of money on all kinds of things. But I would be a lot more sympathetic to that argument from the Democrats if they weren't so busy tossing our money out the window every single chance they got. 
you know, like it was a hobby of theirs. Don't give me that. Don't give me that we don't have $5 billion to secure a border that has clearly posed a national security problem, clearly posed an economic problem. Uh, for, for years and years, when this is the kind of garbage that Congress doles out money to every single day, I don't want to hear that. That is, that is not an argument that you can make when you take a look at this budget and see all the ridiculous things we spend money on. I can tell you where you can find half a billion dollars right now that can go towards that wall. Take it from Planned Parenthood. Take it from Planned Parenthood. $500 plus million plus a year goes to an organization that does over a third of the abortions in this country. Take it from them. If you can give it to them, you can absolutely put it towards a border wall to keep us secure. We're going to have to take a break for just a couple more minutes. When we come back, I've got Curtis Halke is the managing editor for Newsbusters over at the Media Research Center. Going to talk to us a little bit about the media's role in all of this and crafting a narrative and how they tend to be able to dole out the blame for who gets who gets charged with shutdowns. He'll be coming up in just a couple minutes. Make sure you stick with us. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Alvin, can I tell you a story? Yeah. Okay, a long time ago in a kingdom far away, a certain caveman named Donald stood up to a bunch of toxic swamp creatures and helped his fellow cavemen take their government back. Yay! It's incredible. And with my friend Tim Raglan, we tell the story, it's based on a true story, of this noble caveman who defeats a group, a bipartisan group of cowardly swamp creatures. It's called Donald Drains the Swamp. Get your copy of this book by Eric Metaxas and Tim Raglan today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Ever wonder what a bug thinks when it's cold and wet outside and they see your home? Yeah, paradise. Hi, this is Sue Freezy, owner of Ecola Termite and Pest Control Services. And Sue, you at Ecola are the family-friendly pest control company, using methods to keep insects out without causing harm to our family and pets. That's right. This time of year, your home is looking more and more like a giant luau to spiders, ants, roaches, and other critters. But we'll break up the party and get rid of your unwelcome tourists quickly. Ecola keeps them out with regular service throughout all the seasons of the year. So call Ecola at 877-332-BUGS. 877-332-BUGS. New customers get $50 off. And Sue, bugs hate that you get rid of the nasty critters so effectively. E. Cola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. Call E. Cola now. 1-877-332-BUGS. Or log on to termitelady.com. Hi, this is Jesse Keegan, owner of Keegan Electric Solar, a certified electrical contractor. A.K., Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. I'm Brittany Hughes, just filling in for Miss Andrea K. She will be back. I promise you won't miss her for very long. Happy Monday to all of you. Um, we've been talking government shutdown and immigration stuff today. Seems to be the hot topic in the news. Um, and I, I know that especially out there in San Diego, uh, this is something that is kind of near and dear to everybody's heart, considering how many federal workers are out there, how many military members are out there. Uh Thankfully, not many uh, people except for the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard's got it rough right now. Um, 
Thankfully, the military is not so much affected with this particular shutdown, but has been before. So I know we all uh, we all understand what that means. And um, I, I think one thing that's interesting to talk about when it comes to shutdowns, since we've we've had a few of them in recent memory, um, the more and more dysfunctional Congress gets, it seems, the more of them we have. We have a Congress that cannot seem to figure out how to do its job or at least doesn't want to. But when it comes to the blame for these shutdowns, the media plays a critical role in shaping this narrative, the narrative over who is simply standing their ground and being a champion for doing what's right versus who's responsible for all these poor federal employees who aren't getting their paychecks. And the narrative changes depending on who they want to blame, which always seems to be Republicans. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter, you know, who's president or, you know, it matters really what the media narrative is. And that is always going to play right to the left. Here to talk about some of that uh, is an expert on the matter, actually. He's a managing editor for Newsbusters over at the Media Research Center, Curtis Hauk. You can follow him on Twitter at Curtis Hauk. That's H-O-U-C-K. Uh, thanks for joining us, Curtis. I appreciate your time. Hey, no problem, friend. Um, can you, first of all, kind of set the stage for us a little bit when it comes mm-hmm. to the media's narrative over the past couple of weeks? I mean, this is something that you stay on top of regularly all the time. I always say that you watch CNN so that I don't have to, which I greatly mm-hmm. appreciate. It's a huge service yeah. to most yeah, of us. Exactly. Um, what exactly. have you been seeing here? Yeah, you're, the way you put the lead in is exactly right. There's been different government shutdowns over the years, and it's meant different things for different people. Um, and it's been over different things. You know, it's immigration we've had, DACA we've had, you know, going back to the 90s, you know, spending. Um, so, but the, but the one thing that's always been a constant is somehow trying to blame Republicans, you know. Uh, and that's what Christine uh, Marsh over at Newsbusters pointed out this morning, that GMA did this piece blaming uh, Republicans for the shutdown, really not looking at how, you know, GOP, the GOP are bearing most of the blame right now. Uh, but, the big, but the big question isn't enough to change their uh, approach, according to a uh, former Clinton Foundation donor and staffer, George Stephanopoulos. But we went, she went back and looked in, in 2013 when things were reversed, where the Republicans had just the House and then the Democrats had the other two levers, Senate and the presidency. And the Republicans were also blamed there, wondering how federal employees will survive, you know, um, it, when it, and that was over Obamacare. So, again, a completely different issue. The, the roles were in the who had power where was completely reversed, but the result was still the same, that the Republicans were to blame. Um, and they do all these sob stories about the workers and they cover these protests by, you know, far left, you know, government unions um, without, for the most part, mentioning that at all. You know, um, so, yeah, as, a, as you kind of laid out really well, that things may change about why the shutdown is, how long it goes on, who's to blame for that. Um, but they always find a way to blame Republicans. And when they can't, they just try to avoid it. Like the shutdown we had it was about a day, a couple of days last year, I want to say. That one, the Democrats had a really hard time uh, avoiding blame for that one. The Schumer shutdown, that really stuck, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And so the media just kind of uh, just kind of tried to kind of fudge that one and move on from it. Yeah. Well, and I think this is something that you see constantly over and over again. And, you know, what I find really interesting, particularly with this issue, is, um, you know, the Washington Post poll that came out, which, again, I, I I try not to put a ton of stock into these polls, but I did I did think that this one was very interesting when it said that 53 percent, according to this poll, 53 percent of Americans say they blame Republicans or Trump for the shutdown while only 29% blame Democrats. At the same time, this same poll showed that the number of Americans that are in support of the border wall is actually rising. 42% support the border wall, which, of course, is not something that Stephanopoulos talked a whole lot about. He mm-hmm. just kind of, right. you know, we're going to brush that under the rug. We don't want to talk about that. Because that 42% is actually up from 34%. Last year. So it's interesting to see that support for the border wall is actually going up. And I, I think in part because of the 
um, in part because of the spotlight that this issue has gotten. And I think people are starting to learn more about what's going on at the border. But at the same time, a majority of Americans blame the GOP or blame Trump. And I can't help but feel like that is that is if it's not entirely media fueled, it's at least in good part media fueled. I don't think that Trump did a huge help to himself necessarily by, of course, yeah. you know, when he said, I'm going to own this. But the media, it just seems like they just took that and ran with it. Yeah, there's this giant disconnect. And you hit on one of the one of the easiest, you know, things, the way the media kind of show their biases, which is polling when it comes to polling they want to promote they'll promote certain findings about the about one poll but they'll hide other parts because you know folks may not know that when the networks and newspapers do these polls they're huge there's like you know 20 30 40 questions on these and they'll promote the one or two that fit their worldview we had this happen with with you know president obama they would ignore um, you know, they, they would tout a high approval rating, but then he would go to the issues and people didn't trust him on almost everything under the sun. Uh, and they wouldn't talk about that or when it would hit a record low, they wouldn't cover that as well. Uh, so I think that that's really important to underline, you know, but when it comes, yeah, when it comes to the wall, you see that I saw last week, a few journalists mention this notion that yes, that people, that there are parts that people do want the wall. Um, but the but there are other points where, you know, based on d- past statements from various Democrats over the years and decades about talking about border security, that's what's so helpful. That the, all these Democrats have been in power for decades, so we have all these past statements of theirs talking about border security. But that's not really something that's being shown. The hypocrisy here—they want to call it the president for hypocrisy or fudging facts about something—and that's fine. But then they're not going to really do that for the Democrats. Um, but but you're right. There's this disconnect almost, you know, about the, the, the public are blaming Republicans, but they want a border wall. And certain journalists have realized that perhaps the thing is some of these Democrats don't want to give the president a win because they just they hate him so much. They don't want to get things done for the American people or give the American people what they want by securing the border, uh, which, which, you know, you need to see more of. But I think it's an important analysis uh, to bring up that it's purely partisanship at this point based on their past statements. Yeah, I mean, because you see, I mean, this is something that Democrats have historically supported in the past is even more funding for a border right. wall um, and, and border fencing. So I think it's really disingenuous now. And I think that's that's something that I really wish that we had a media that would do their jobs and be objective, because I think that's an important question that they're not asking, they're not holding their feet to the fire and saying, hey, look, how come you voted for this thing 10 years ago when you had a different president with a different party? But, you know, you're you're not willing to vote for it now when actually we're talking about less money than you voted for in the past. Um, we only have a couple more minutes here, but just switching gears real quick. You did talk about how, you know, the media likes to downplay the actual wall, the importance of the wall, the support that that many Americans are starting to have for a wall. Um mm-hmm. We saw here recently um, with a, a local a local TV station actually out of San Diego, KUSI, that said, hey, look, CNN actually contacted us for some local flavor mm-hmm. when it came to this issue. We told them that we'd be happy to supply them with reports uh, about how a border wall has worked here locally. Um, and they kind of scrapped the segment and didn't want to talk to us. What do you make of that um, and CNN's response where they were kind of like, yeah, well, it happened, but, you know, whatever. Right. They're, exactly, they're right. And anyone who's been in news business or at least p- who plans meetings, even if you're not in the news business, you know, whether you're a teacher or in marketing or something, you plan meetings and sometimes things don't get talked about. Things end up on the cutting room floor because that's just what happens. And that's what CNN is saying. They're saying that, well, you know, time we had to you know, there's only so much time and we, you know, we, we have all these segments to fill and oh no, stuff happens. Oh, don't. But, oh no. Yeah. But like these things, you know, when, it, <laughs> when, when you think about it, when the media makes stuff up or they get stuff wrong, the bias, the, the, the falsehoods go one side in the news media, the mistakes that they make, you know, trashing conservatives or whomever goes one way. It's kind of the same thing here. Yeah. When things end up on the cutting room floor or, there's a you know panel that's not balanced or whatever. They'll be like, oh no, just stuff happened. Nobody was available or something like that. And you're like, it, it, when everything skews that way, you're like, uh, something's going on here. But but again, you know, so they go to McAllen, Texas. They go to Mission, Texas. They go to some of these areas that a CBS report admitted last Tuesday that they have not elected a Republican in a hundred years there. 
So the results are going to be skewed because it's a dark blue area. But then, of course, we have Jim Acosta, Brittany, who just did our uh, did the did you know put forth the best possible argument for a wall, which was uh, you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. Yeah, I think that he kind of this. he forgot who he was working for for the moment and what what line he was supposed to pedal. I mean, if you see this video, and I don't know how many people have actually seen it, it's it's absolutely hilarious. It went all over Twitter of Jim Acosta standing next to a steel barrier, which is pretty much exactly like the Black. kind that Trump yeah. has been describing and saying, well, we don't see much of an immigration crisis around here. And people are pointing out, well, you're you're standing next to a wall, Dumbo. That's the whole point is we want something like that along the parts of the wall or the parts of the border where we don't have a wall. Right, exactly. And then next to it, there's fencing, but there's something there. It's not just like open space. And he's like, I don't see a crisis. So, you know, because he hates Trump so much, because therefore he didn't see anything. Therefore, it must be wrong. And the reason that he doesn't see illegal immigrants streaming across the border where he's standing is because of what's what he literally was putting his hand touching, you know, like holding, trying to hold in his hand in the first place. It was staring him literally right in the face. It's great. I thought it was I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, I mean, because at the end of the day, walls do work. Are they absolutely infallible? Uh, No, you can make the argument that, of course, you know, somebody might get through at some point. But I, I think that to say that it's not going to at least curb illegal migration, drug smuggling, human trafficking, at least in some parts. Look, if we want to talk about the whole entire border sector Uh, the whole, you know, 2,000 plus miles, then we can talk about that. But at at the very least, let's secure the parts that we need to. I really appreciate your time, Curtis. Thanks for coming on. Um, Glad to have you. I I will make sure that Andrea has you back. She will know your name, buddy, I promise. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man. Take care, Brittany. You too. Yeah, I'd have a lot more sympathy for CNN if I felt like they at least gave some reports about how walls work to compare to their plethora of reports about how, you know, Trump is a big, bad, stupid, racist head. Um, I, I, I think I might would take their excuse of why they didn't book that segment a little more seriously if I felt like they at least had something to offset it. Um, we'll be right back with our last segment, running out of time here, but not out of things to talk about. I'm Brittany Hughes filling in for Andrea Kay. We'll be back shortly. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. This is today's entertainment answer. What does Adam Pauly say about working with dogs in the new film Dog Days? Some of the greats have spent time with dogs the way I have. At first it's a little challenging because you're you're not just doing the scene with the animal, you're doing the scene with the animal's trainer. And uh, me and animal trainers usually don't get along. But it was great, it was fun, I learned a lot, and maybe I'm a better actor. I don't know, the dog is certainly better. I definitely raised its game. Dog Days, rated PG, now in theaters. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Andrea Kay, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Andrea Kay Show. Happy Monday. I'm Brittany Hughes filling in for Andrea Kay. We're about to wrap up our time here. Appreciate y'all sticking with us. Been a lot to talk about. A lot of immigration stuff, a lot of shutdown stuff. Um, I'm actually sitting in a studio looking out at half of Washington, D.C., and it is like a ghost town, partially because of the snow, um, but partially because just a lot of people not going to work today. Um, you know, so I'm, that's that's definitely been a, a huge, huge topic in the news. Um, but I'm actually going to switch it up here just for a few minutes here right at the end to talk about something else. Uh, going to kind of pull a 180 here. Um you know, this is something that's really near and dear to my heart and and, and I, I think is something that everybody should be extremely alarmed about, particularly if you care about uh, humanity, if you care about life, if you care about human rights, uh, and if you don't want to see people just completely deprived of those human rights. Um, and, and we're talking about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo here. If you haven't heard, 
um, probably because it's it's really gotten buried and the media has not picked up on this at all. And I, I partially wonder if it's because, I mean, this story is so extreme that I'm not even sure the left wing media really wants to talk about it when they do want to talk about it. They don't do it justice. They don't tell the truth. So we're going to. Um, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is actually saying he will refuse to sign the state's budget, which he's supposed to do in April, unless the Democrat-led state legislature passes a new bill that, get this, would expand the state's abortion laws to include elective abortions through the ninth month of pregnancy. Okay, the ninth month of pregnancy. We're talking about for any reason whatsoever. And it's really important to talk about this because the way that the media wants to tell this story, and I'm going to pick a little bit on the New York Times, because the way that they wrote this story, it doesn't give a full picture. And people need to be made aware of this because this is one of the most extreme pro-abortion pushes that I can think of in the entire country. It's so disgusting. It's so inhumane. Um, you know, and it goes against it goes against public opinion. Even Gallup, a recent Gallup poll, which tracks public opinion on the subject of abortion pretty regularly, almost almost every couple of weeks. Even their poll shows that only 13 percent of all Americans say that they believe that abortion should be permissible with no restrictions for any reason at any time. That is a very low number of Americans. I'm, I'm shocked, frankly, that 13% of Americans think that. I mean, that, that's, that's so mind-blowing and, and horrific. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about at six weeks. We're not talking about in the first trimester. We're talking about a viable, moving, pain-capable child at this point. Um, so what Cuomo is essentially trying to push here, and he's probably... Frankly, he's probably going to help push it through because the state legislature is uh, it's newly Democrat led. The Democrats have taken it over um, and he wants them to pass what's called the Reproductive Health Act. So the way that abortion laws work in New York right now, and a lot of people say that they haven't been changed since like the 70s and they're outdated and whatever. They're already some of the most permissive in the country. Okay, New York currently allows elective abortions up through 24 weeks of pregnancy. For those of you who don't know, medical science has advanced to the point where we have actually saved babies born prematurely at 22 weeks, uh, 21 weeks and change, actually, I believe is the earliest. Um, but if we're talking about the point of viability, that actually can be argued for several weeks earlier than what abortions, what what kind of abortion you can get in, in New York state already. So 24 weeks, that's already way past most states and, and the cutoff that they they already have. What this new law would do, if it were signed, is it would give an exception for if the fetus or the, you know, let's just call it what it is, the, the pre-born baby, the child, um, has a, a, a medical anomaly or, you know, Down syndrome or some, something that something that pro-abortionists would like to consider, you know, less than normal, less than human, less than worthy of the inherent dignity that we all are conceived in and are, are born with. It would also and this is this is where I think you have to get real semantic with it. The law also says that these abortions may be performed within 24 weeks from the commencement of pregnancy or if there is an absence of fetal viability or at any time when necessary to protect a patient's life or health. Now, the reason that this is important is because, and we have seen this, this, this has precedent, okay? The reason that it's important that they worded it that way is because when they say to protect a patient's life or health, we're not just talking about physical health. We're not just talking about when a pregnancy could jeopardize a woman's life, um, you know, when when it makes her extremely ill or, or could potentially cause, um, you know, irreparable damage to her physically. When we talk about a patient's life or health, the way that that is expanded subjectively is when it includes your mental or your emotional health. So it could mean 
if you're in the seventh month of pregnancy and you wanted this child, but your boyfriend just broke up with you and now all of a sudden you don't, you know, you can't deal with it anymore. This isn't something that you want anymore. This could be potentially, quote unquote, damaging to your health. So essentially what what this law does in a very nuanced way and what pro-life groups throughout New York are trying to scream about is that this virtually expands abortion through the ninth month of pregnancy for any reason whatsoever. So long as you say this is no longer compatible with my with my health, with my state of being, with what I want to do, which let's face it, that's that's what abortion is in general. Whether you're talking about one at six weeks right after you find out you're pregnant or you're talking about one, you know, later term, you know, even in the third trimester, which, again, is, is so horrific. It's beyond even description, particularly when you look at exactly how those abortions are performed. They're grotesque. They're horrific. They're inhumane. The vast majority of Americans disagree with them. So, I mean, this this is an issue. It's not getting a lot of play. It is getting buried. Um, the media doesn't even really want to talk about it. When they talk about it, they kind of, they don't tell you what exactly this does and how exactly, how extreme this actually is. Um, and, 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 and what a break from you know, even traditional abortion restrictions, this would be. Uh, and, the, and the fact that he is actually saying that he's going to hold an entire state budget hostage over this issue. Um, you know, so I think that that's something that's that's important. I wanted to make sure that we brought that to your attention in case you hadn't heard it, because you probably hadn't. Um, but that about wraps up the time that we have. I really appreciate all you guys tuning in. Uh, it was really great to be with you. Absolutely love um, love this show. Sh- huge shout out to Andrea Kay for letting me guest host for her for a day. Um, would love to get your feedback on the show. You can drop me a line on Twitter at RealBritHughes or look me up on Facebook under Brittany M. Hughes or at MRCTV.org. Also, huge shout out to DJ Carrot Sticks for running the program. He's a way bigger star than I am. I can't even lie. He makes, he makes the whole show go round. Hope y'all have a great rest of your Monday and we will see you back next time tomorrow at six o'clock on the Andrea K show. Thanks so much guys. Yeah.